Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning, and indeed there is a war for our souls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, and we declare that your will be done, O God, on earth in and through us, even as it's being done and declared in heaven, that your kingdom come, Lord, as Jesus prayed, and that you give us wisdom and counsel and courage, Lord God, to do your will, to stand, and having done all, to stand. Lord, to know the truth and to walk in the freedom that you died to give us, Lord God, and to understand even in all of that, Um, the truth, the power of your truth, the truth of your salvation, the redemption, the purchased uh, possession that we are bought with the blood of Jesus, the power of your word, Lord God, and faith in the promises that you've made to us, Lord God, cause us to be quickened in those and understand that. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. And let your Holy Spirit examine us today, Lord God. Let the revelation of Jesus Christ bring us to new depths of freedom, joy, and peace for your glory's sake. And Lord, I thank you for salvation. We thank you that's finished. You finished that work on the cross, everything that was done, that needed to be done to accomplish what needed to be accomplished in all of us, even unto this very day, was done and finished then and through the resurrection. Lord, I thank you now for the walking out and the performing and the executing of the power of the cross in our lives. And I thank you, Jesus, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy which obviously indicates that there is an enemy and he needs to be bound. And we thank you for the power to forgive. We thank you, Lord God, for the protection, the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And we declare that is a necessary shield, a necessary word, promise covering over all of us this day, that no weapon forged against us, whether clever, hidden, secret, um, through the occult, through covert or overt means, will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach to us or confusion, that we would all rightly divide your holy word of truth, including our families, those who are working with us, the members of our, of our communities. Father, we would rightly divide your holy word of truth, Lord God, and that you protect us in our health and safety, in our traveling, our vehicles, and our finances, our property, especially the work of our hands and the fruit of our labors, that we would uh, complete the ministry, fulfill the calling that you have upon our lives and not direct us in Jesus' name. You are the faithful witness. Amen. 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 Well, here we go. Yeah, this is an interesting, kind of a continuation of last week's program. Um, And that one, the name of that one was How how Have You Been Programmed to Agree with Your Own Destruction or the Hidden Agreements That Affect Our Lives? How do those hidden agreements affect our lives? And I think today we're going to continue to talk about some of those hidden agreements that have broken our lives and uh, more specifically. Well, yes, yes. We talked last time about agreements, you know, agreements are, are, if you're agreeing with something, you're being in accord in one accord with something or in harmony with something. You're making an arrangement where two or more people or countries get together. That's kind of a dic- dictionary definition. It's a contract. To agree means to uh, consent, to be of the same opinion, to arrive at, the, at a satisfactory understanding. So there are what we call uh, conscious agreements, or we could say active agreements. Or willful. 
Right. Well, or, or agreements. In other words, if I decide I'm buying a house, mm-hmm. I sign the contract uh, as a purchase agreement, sign the mortgage. Made the decision. Uh, yes. If, right. If I'm you know, getting married, mm-hmm. which I am. Already. Already. But uh, <laughs> over 47 kidding. years ago, we God. made the decision. We, we made a covenant mm-hmm. before God. and uh, That was so a that willful, was, conscious agreement. And those are pretty obvious. Right, right. But then there are the ones that are not as obvious. And we don't even think Mm-mm. of ourselves as coming into agreement, on, into a contract, into really like a covenant with these things right. that are – now, there's – some of these things are very destructive, and I think later we'll talk about some of the things that are very, mm-hmm. very helpful and powerful mm-hmm. in a positive way for the kingdom of God. But what about some of these things that uh, how how do we well, get into these? Uh, well, the subconscious or unconscious agreements. I think there's a little bit of difference there, but um, we are making agreements all the time, and the reason that agreements are such a critical piece to understand is that um, they they that that's the rule, the one rule between God and Satan in the war for the souls of men is whom we yield ourselves servants to obey his slave we become. So if we are agreeing with or coming into an agreement with the lie, immediately we are under the influence of the lie or just like Adam and Eve, they, they immediately became um, controlled by the one they gave consent to. And there, that consent was given, was made through the eating of the forbidden fruit. So we can make an agreement even with the food we eat, whether it's GMO and bad for you and fat and, 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 um, uh, fast food or, or um, junk food. Uh, we can make an agreement with the air that we breathe. We let it come in, the water we drink, the, and the way we spend our time. We make agreements. These are subconscious. I mean, a lot of people spend a lot of time wasting their time, which means they're actually wasting their life, which is a very precious commodity that it's, it's the thing you would want the least of all to waste and have anything. But so we're coming into an agreement just simply by making, I would say, unconscious decisions we make conscious decisions like you said to you know get married buy a car buy a house but we also make unconscious agreements and those can be of the variety of the unconscious where you're not acknowledging or understanding that your will has been engaged you just kind of passively go along with something we could call call that passive agreement as well well it's it's really a deception uh, we, we don't realize that we're coming into an agreement with something that is for our destruction. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that part first, the destructive elements. So, so there's a deception that puts us under a bondage. Like you, yeah. from the, the last part of Romans 6.16 that you just quoted, Marjorie, is that uh, where it says, Know you not that who, to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Right. The last part of that is whether of sin unto death mm-hmm. or of obedience unto righteousness. So, uh, uh, and then and just to talk a little bit more about that as we begin this today, Isaiah 28 talks about the covenant with death. Now, this is very serious. It sounds like, there's little things that lead into big things that can destroy us. But it says, um, Isaiah 28, 14 and 15, Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people, which is in Jerusalem. And he's talking to leadership, not rulers, but there's an application for all of us here. 
Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with hell we are at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood we have hid ourselves. So what happens is when we make these agreements, we come into agreement with lies and uh, we come into a covenant with lies. It's a very subtle thing. But let, let's talk more about how, how this happens. Well, first of all, <clears throat> to, before you can talk about what happens, you have to realize and recognize it is happening. You have to identify this um, very subtle covenant of subconscious, unconscious, passive agreement uh, that we've come into uh, agreement with or unity with. And the, the only way really you can I detect you, the best way to detect whether you are in an unconscious or subconscious or negative or, or evil or agreement with something is if you look at its fruit. And you have to look at the fruit in your life and examine that and examine it under the power of the Holy Spirit um, to, to see accurately what's going on. I, I think of the verse in Joel. Um, it's a very interesting, interesting look God makes here in Joel chapter 1. Um, he's talking about the um, the day of wrath, the day that the locusts came and ate everything up, and the nation was famishing and uh, famished. And um, he says, "Be ashamed, you farmers! Wail, you vine dressers, for the wheat, the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vines have dried up. Fig tree is withered. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree, also the apple tree. All the trees of the field are withered." So you're seeing a, a result here the fruit or lack of fruit of what has happened in their choices, in their agreements uh, just previous to this. And then he says, this is the line, surely the joy has withered away from the sons of men. And I believe in our lives, joy is our energizer. It's our strength. It's our, it's our, it, mo- it motivates us. Joy of the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so when the joy in your life is gone or the, and you're depleted, you're depressed, you're, feeling anxious, distracted, hopeless, um, unprepared, worried, whatever it is you want to call it, the joy definitely is not there. And so the evidence, the absence of joy and strength and faith and rejoicing in God, uh, you you could blame it on, well, the circumstances we're living in, blah, 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 the horrible world and da, 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 Whatever, but I do believe that the internal joy of the Lord continues to be the strength of those who rely upon their God, even in the midst of horrible times. So, number one, to identify if there is a lie there, you have to look at the fruit. So, yeah, look at the fruit. Or the lack of fruit. And it's interesting. A lot of times people, uh, folks, don't seem to really look at the fruit of their lives. They just kind of go through their lives. They have trouble, they have problems, they have issues, they try to deal with them, try to figure them out, exactly. try to solve them, mm-hmm. or try to escape from them. Yes. But only do we, for the most part, not really examine or accurately examine the fruit of our lives, but we don't look at the root of, of the, the fruit. problem. We don't look mm-hmm. at what, why am I in this situation? Right. What, well, what has happened? A lot of people don't even get to the point of asking the question. And that is, right. that's the first subtle lie. This lie is, I am locked in to this lifestyle. I have no opportunities, no choices. It is what it is. There's your first agreement. And you're actually agreeing with your circumstances and your condition. Spiritually, you're depleted, defeated, 
and you're feeling blocked or locked in. So you're feeling locked in, like you're trapped, like you're not going anywhere, like God's not answering your prayers, like you're not, he's not there. And, and therefore you begin to settle into an agreement with that thing. Well, it, you know, it, it, what can I do about it? It is what it is, whatever. It doesn't matter. I've tried. God's not there for me, whatever. So you're starting out of that feeling of being locked in. You're now, you're now beginning to make a lot of agreements. Right. You, cause you, you really feel trapped in something. Uh, in, in a sense, you are. You're, you're trapped in something. You are able to get out of it through the grace and power of God. But yes, because that trap was not meant to be a, a final ending place for us. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times what we do is we accept a lot of things as normal mm-hmm. that we should not accept as normal as normal. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, in, and in what we do then, what the what the enemy offers for us in this, you know, he knows that if we're too um, restless and too um, frustrated, we will begin to move out of our circumstances and search out uh, something else, you know, something of meaning or truth or purpose. So a lot of times what the enemy does, he builds us for us a fantasy world and we're, we settle into this. We replace joy or the desire for joy and strength, which is drying up. It's replaced with fun and amusement or fantasy worlds and escapes. We, we, um, you know, we, we amuse, entertain ourselves. Uh, and therefore, when you do that, when you start to pursue excitement and activities and hobbies and worldly things that really don't matter in the eternity to come, well, we're in eternity, but obviously the ongoing of eternity, that we begin to accept that these, we settle for less than what God had intended for us. And the joy is replaced for simply fun. I, I believe fun is a, a drains us of energy, finances, resources, whereas joy from God builds us up. So Satan's answer to joy is fun and amusement and excitement. And so therefore, as you see, when you're depleted of joy, you have come into an agreement with a bunch of things that are not true. Now, because God said the joy of the Lord is our strength, God wants us to walk in power and peace. So first question then is, what are the lies I'm believing that is draining me of joy, that's making me feel locked in, that's making me feel um, I'm trapped, or um, it doesn't matter what I do, or um, whatever the whatever the situation is, you, what is the lie I am believing? And, you, and the Lord said, my sheep know my voice. So I believe that the Lord will answer that question. Well, a lot of us, most of us, I would say, are not even equipped to know how to discover the, the root of what's going on in our lives. Well, we've not been taught. We don't read the Word of God um, with enough intensity or, or a focus to, to hear what he's saying. And these principles, concepts of agreement and the court of heaven and pre- presenting your case that we've been talking about over the last weeks, these are all in the word of God. And they're not just, you know, uh, just one little isolated situation. They actually are like part of the fabric. Um, they are woven throughout the tapestry of this whole council of God called the word of God. And, you know, they're an intricate uh, part of that whole working and counsel of God and his purposes for the human race and for us as individuals. So when you're looking at them, it's not like you're trying to 
um, make a doctrine out of something. It's, it's all the doctrine. It's all the word of God, and it all works together to make a living whole. Just like your body, every part in your body, you could isolate it out and examine your enzymes or your or your uh, skeleton or your neurological trans- transmitters or whatever you, could, you want to do. But they all must work together to form that living being, that dynamic living being. And so we, to, you know, no one is going to understand the whole working of the human body, but we can step back and say, wow, we're fearfully and wonderfully made, as God said. But going back to this, so the lack of joy. Now, there, and, and the other thing that really is a telltale sign of believing lies is pain. Um, pain is, you know, since we have been kind of, um, oh, let's see, we're homesick for heaven. We've been, uh, I don't know, exiled is a good word, I guess, to this hostile planet. It's a wonderful place, Earth, of course, the blessing, the, the garden, the best place we could live, the only place probably we could live and sustain life. But nonetheless, we're separated from God in some ways as they were in the garden. And that creates pain. It creates um, some sense of homesickness, um, vulnerabilities, um, uh, restlessness, uh, incompletion, incomplete, not, not fully arrived. We're not safe. We're not home. There's something wrong, something not quite right. And so this creates, this creates a lot of anxiety in the human being. Um, anxiety is, um, you know, that internalized fear of, oh, no, and what if, and, uh, and I think a lot of uh, creatures, if you're not living in the joy of the Lord and the power of his strength, you are more than likely living in a place of some sort of um, anxiety that is provoking you. It's coming from fear, of course, but it's provoking you to take action, take control, manage your life in some ways that create a lot of subconscious agreements. Like, for example, people who are anxious about certain things, like, for example, let's just use the example of germs. Um, anxious and obsessed with germs and uncleanness, they're going to subconsciously feel like they're dirty, they're vulnerable, these things are going to get them, eat them, destroy them, kill them. And so they make an agreement with, I've got to be clean. They obsess about washing. They have to be perfect. There's a lot of um, OCD stuff that people do as a result of anxiety. I think anxiety is the root of a lot of compulsive behaviors. Like, uh, And that also comes from fear. And fear is perfect love casts out fear. So we're lacking the understanding of God's perfect presence and love with us all the time. Well, we live in this earth, you know, you mentioned about the pain of this earth and obviously physical pain is part of, you know, like a warning system that he's built into our body. We're not so much talking about that, but pain, agony, sense of grief, loss, struggle. Uh, Romans right. 8, 8.22 says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth mm-hmm. in pain together until now. So we're we're under this, you know, we live heavy in a, cloud. A heavy cloud. Yeah. It's there's there's the curse of sin mm-hmm. in this world, and uh, it, it is it is a wonderful world. The creation is wonderful, but it's been tainted and and mm-hmm. kind of overcome with sin and the rulership of the prince of this world. Yet mm-hmm. in the midst of all this. And far above all, above all this is the kingdom of God, the rule of True. God, mm-hmm. the, the great covenant maker that he is the one who has um, made a new covenant for us, a new agreement. But, well, that's what this new creature in Christ, new creatures in Christ is all about. 
Now, there's, there are some questions that are valid about, well, if we're new creatures in Christ, and I'm just going to, this might be a topic for next week, but if we're new creatures in Christ and all things pass away, behold, all things become new, then why are we still believing lies? Why are we still uh, being affected by the negative things of this world? If everything should be new, I should be happy. I should be full of joy, peace. I should know truth. I should walk in truth and fruitfulness and abound in abundance and blah, blah, blah. Well, the problem is that this is an act this this life with Christ is a walk of faith and the promise is given at the cross and in the resurrection the promise of eternal life the promise of joy and power and strength and freedom and the promise is there but but because it's given as a promise and that's what God wants it to be it must be received through faith not through works you know if God, I was thinking of this this morning you know God is all about love and the works come it's like a love affair it's like you know, when you fall in love with someone, you don't serve them or be with them or work for help them or, you know, care about them because they're threatening you that if you don't, they're going to hurt you or kick you out or whatever. When you love someone, you're freely giving. That's a covenant. That's an agreement. That's agreement with love. I, I, that is, I give myself to you because not because I'm afraid or you're intimidating me or bullying me. Or threatening me, but because I want to, I want to enter into that relationship with you because I love you and I'm receiving your love for me. Whereas with Satan, if you make this about works and not the promise, you make it about works, then it's about serving him, being bullied by him. And if you don't do it right, you're not going to be loved. It's conditional. It's temporary. It's tentative. It's, you know, um, there's always the, the condition of the possibility of being rejected, whatever. So God did not build his relationship with us on one of works and performance. However, out of a love relationship and a true love relationship, there will be a lot of work done, a lot of even sacrificial work. Think of a mother and child that's mother that loves her child. Think of a husband and wife where one of them gets sick. It, because of the love, there's a lot of work being done, a lot of, you know, given works sacrificially, but that work comes out of the relationship and the covenant. It doesn't, it isn't, you know, work to have the covenant. It comes out of the covenant. And that's the difference. So God wants us to walk in a place of love and receiving his love. So what these lies do and these agreements with fear, anxiety, obsessions, compulsions, pain, they are Satan's attempt to discourage us and separate us from the love of God. And so when we're new creatures in Christ, we are walking into a place, coming into a place of uh, being converted, being transformed, uh, being made new. Well, we are new creations in the middle of a war zone. So, yeah. so we live in a world that is, is, it seems increasingly full of pain, disorder, confusion, perversion, insanity, violence, disease, all these things, we're living in the midst of this heartache, uh, depression, fear. We're living in the midst of yeah. this is what's going on on the planet, okay? And, and we're all we're touched by those things. And some of us are haunted by those things. But we, we need to look at the place of, so we're called to live in, a place in the of midst freedom. of this, yeah. in a place of freedom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some people say, well, how do I live in, the, this, in, a, in a freedom, in this covenant love, even in the midst 
of this uh, what appears to be painful, right. this present evil world. Right, where Satan is trying to make God look like a very unloving God. And, a, and that's another bunch of agreements subconsciously. Well, if God is so good, if God really cares, why is he letting all this stuff happen? Why is this bad stuff continuing to happen? Is God really there? He doesn't answer my prayer. It just, it's very bitter and discouraging and feeling. But it's like in the Civil War when the slaves were emancipated. There was, that was a, a, a deal. One, in Congress, it was, it was legislated that they were now free. After the war, they had received their Emancipation Proclamation, Abraham Lincoln Freedom. And yet, many of that generation still stayed where they were. They worked for their masters. They still acted as if they were slaves, even though they were free. So here's the deal. Salvation is like that emancipation. But, you know, it's, a, it's the salvation that was accomplished for us on the cross released us from the slavery of Satan. But now the sanctification, which is step two, is the removal of the lies, the, un, the, uh, the, 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 the strongholds, the uh, habits, the uh, whatever, that the, that the programming that controls us. And the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So even though we're new creatures in Christ, the process now begins where my mind is renewed, where I am exchanging, swapping out the lies, God says. And this is where God becomes real. Because, you know, many people have heard about God for so, that are almost inoculated against the true power of God. They've learned to limit the power of God through what they've seen taught about him, the flannel board Jesus in the churches, you know, the screwy paintings, the this, the that, whatever it is, the contradiction in terms, you know, we've got the oftentimes the very religious people who are covering, that's being covering up a bunch of sexual perversion, all this stuff that ought not to be in the house of God. And so people are exposed as children to this. And so they begin to form concepts and, and that God is a mess. I don't want to do any, have anything to do with God. But when you start to be sanctified and read the word of God, and, and believe that God is true, God is good, this is where the lies begin to, you throw those lies up against what God says, and the truth is what sets us free. That's where sanctification and emancipation actually begin to take shape. Well, simply, again, it's a matter of deep being, deep, sanctification is simply a matter of being deprogrammed yep. from the lies and the concepts yep. and the strongholds of the enemy, and then reprogrammed yep. with the truth, which mm-hmm. is the word of God. And so it's a whole, it's a whole process of being transformed in Romans 12 by right. the renewing of your mind yes. that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, it's like this too, that the, the, the enemy gets a hold of this idea of sanctification and he, and, and the way he preaches it is that it's up to you. It's your choice. You've got to make a choice. Um, and many of us have been taught it's your choice. It's up to you. And so we try harder to make a better choice or direct ourselves or self-discipline ourselves. But sometimes we're so controlled by something that is not us. As Paul said, I'm doing what I don't want to do. It's like the little boy who, who, who listened to the lie. He took the candy and he got kidnapped. He disobeyed what his parents told him to do. He got kidnapped. Now he's being taken to a place against his will, being walked into, uh, maybe at gunpoint, whatever, um, into a warehouse to be tied up. And now we see that this person is doing something they don't want to do. 
Now, if this is an adult doing something, being forced, kidnapped, taken into a warehouse, it's the same thing. They're, they're, they're doing something. Yes, people all the time, I'm, they're trying to quit what they can't stop. Even if it's as simple as I've got to lose five pounds and you're trying to stop eating uh, that second helping or that, um, you know, that second piece of chocolate cake or whatever it is. You know, the thing is, God says to eat your food with joy and gladness. And when you eat it with the sense of law, legalism, guilt, and I shouldn't eat this, you have just given permission to the enemy to bring on that second, you know, pound, that, that increased poundage because you've eaten it under the counsel of guilt. If you eat your food, I'm just exampling here. If you eat your food with joy and gladness as an act of worship unto God, then, you're, then the, the enemy doesn't have a right to put any more um, extra pounds. Now, however, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you, by the way, that is the key. It is not me trying to perfect that which concerns me in Psalm 138.8. It says it is, it is his work. We, the work, we are his workmanship in Christ Jesus. He will perfect that which concerns us. The Holy Spirit is the critical key here. It's not me trying to uh, make myself better because the enemy knows that I want, I want to be improved, better, you know, free, whatever. So he uses, he sets up a whole bunch of religious programs and hoops and loops for me to jump through so that I can, you know, self-discipline myself and whatever. But it really entangles me further in the lie. Because that lie is, I've got to do it. It's all up to me, as opposed to letting the Holy Spirit be our, our counselor and our guide. Oh, right. And, and um, Galatians 5, uh, 22, let's, let's look at verses 20, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of us. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. fruit of the Spirit working in us, through us, is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, mm-hmm. gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, mm-hmm. meekness, temperance, or which would be self-control. Mm-hmm. Against such there is no law. And then they that have are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, to me, Marjorie, it looks like there's the fruit of the spirit here, mm-hmm. but then th- that we are called also to crucify the flesh with the affections and lusts. Sounds like a combination of what God does, what only God does, and then part of it what we do. Right. We, well, yeah. How, how, what's the tension here? Well, it's it's uh, it's the perfect combination. God cannot force us. He won't force anybody to serve him because you can't force anybody to love you. You can't grab them around the neck so you're going to love me. So it has to be a, a, a response on our part. So that's why God provides the salvation. Like I tell you the, the story, he provides the banquet, but we have to eat the food. He can't eat it for us. So we have to participate in that acceptance or that following. And Jesus said, follow me and I will perfect that which concerns you. So that we, it, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We, if we resist him and continue to, to be bound, sometimes we're actually, we want to follow God. I think we really do want to follow God in our, in our true spirit man. But like Paul says, I'm still doing things I don't want to do, even though in my spirit, I agree with the law of God that it's good. And I want God's law. And Romans 6, 7, and 8 are powerful. You should just read them and read them until you get them and ask God to show you what that means. So he was still, even though he was saved, he was still finding himself doing things, being locked into the lies. And as you read the, the gifts of the, or the fruits of the spirit, that's what we need to look for. If you don't see that, 
if you don't see the peace, the joy, the rest, the, the patience, the, the confidence in God, if you don't see that stuff, you know, if you go, ask the question, why? What, what's, hin- what's the lie I'm believing that's blocking up the production of this fruit? If I have an apple tree that's not producing, I start to ask questions. Well, what's wrong here? Um, is there something the apple tree needs? Is it missing minerals? Is it, you know, is it the bugs? What is it? Because you, you want this free flow of the nurturing, the, the, the life-giving flow of Jesus Christ and his spirit that lives in us. You want that flow to create the, the abundant fruit. And yes, the tree, the branch abides, hangs in, continues to abide in the vine, but it is out of that abiding and the process of the two cooperating that the fruit is brought forth. And so let's look at some of those lies specifically. Um, yeah, just before, just before we go there, what about you know the difference? In other words, say there's there's self-discipline, okay? It can be as simple as simple, something as simple as like, okay, I'm going to do the dishes. I'm not going to leave dirty dishes in the sink for more than two hours, or you're going to do them after <laughs> every meal, or I'm going to floss every night, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't feel like flossing. You're tired. You think, oh, this would be a good night to skip it, but you floss anyway. So there's some, you know, just simple examples of things where we daily, you know, we self-discipline. Okay, we need to get up in the morning at a certain time. We need to get ready, go to work, stuff like this. They're the decisions that we make, self-discipline, things that we can do. And these can give us a measure of freedom. But then there are things in our lives that we simply need deliverance from. Well, we, we can't discipline ourselves into freedom in some areas of our lives. Like Paul, you mentioned Romans 7 of 24, Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall, what? Deliver Deliver me me Mm -hmm. from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the, talk a little bit before we jump into this next aspect mm -hmm. about the relationship between self-discipline and deliverance. Well, that's a good question, and I think they go together again. I think self-discipline is simply believing and following and obeying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who disciplines me. Yes. I, you know, I can make a decree, okay, I'm going to floss every night, and then what happens when I don't floss one night? Or I'm going to read my Bible every morning for an hour, or I'm going to get up earlier every day and you know, spend some time with God. And what happens the first time you skip that, miss that, you oversleep or whatever the enemy can then come against you with a spirit of condemnation and guilt and you should have, could have blah, blah, blah. And so I I really believe that even self-discipline is the job of the Holy spirit. My job is much more simple. My job is to simply to obey, to follow, to do what he says. And if if I, if my dentist says you really need to floss every day and I, and I, I believe him and you know, I don't, then I had to say, Holy Spirit, help me to do this. Help me. You, you, you do it through me. You do it for me. You do it with me. You give me the grace to do this. And the same with, you know, seeking God, praying. If you're not praying um, and spending some, you know, very personal, private time with the Lord every day, then you need to say, well, why aren't I? What is going, what's hindering me? Am I distracted? Am I too busy? Don't I? And maybe it's a bottom line root live. I don't really believe in prayer. I, I really it doesn't mean you don't believe in prayer. It means you're, be tempted, you're being tempted to believe that prayer doesn't really change things. 
because you've seen a zillion times where it didn't work. And those zillion times are now on the one side of the balance and your little hope that it'll work this time on the other side. And obviously your experiences are discouraging you because that's the way the devil spins this thing around and around and around. He just keeps going back to what we've seen and what we've, what we've experienced. And that becomes our controlling God. And so, you know, back to self-discipline, um, you know, I don't get into that much anymore. I am very, I believe I'm very responsible I'm very uh, dependable. I am very disciplined, um, but I don't think of myself that way. I think of myself as free, a free agent of the Most High God, a servant. And if today he sends me off this direction and I didn't get to floss my teeth or whatever, then so be it. That's his problem. I'm his servant. He didn't require me to floss my teeth today. Whatever reason, he will keep my teeth from getting rotten I, it's not because I'm flossing that they're not going to get cavities. We all know this is true because we get cavities anyway. When we fought, when we, I mean, that, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's God has got to keep that, which I've committed to him against that day, whatever it is, if it's my teeth or my soul or my salvation, it, this is where we miss it. We, the devil has made this gospel of Jesus Christ all about condemnation, guilt works, and he uses everything he can to get us to go there. But if we let the Holy spirit examine our hearts today, and ask him simply, what is the lie I am believing? What is the lie I'm believing that is stealing my joy or that is crushing my hope or that is creating this constant ongoing pain in my body, my heart that constantly allows the spirit of witchcraft to control me or, or bully me? What, what is the lie I am believing? That's a fair question for the Holy Spirit. And I believe those are where we kind of begin to discover the lies those soft unconscious agreements that are Satan is using. So there's so much being written and taught today on the subject of boundaries, boundaries, setting boundaries in our lives. Would you just address that just briefly? <laughs> I hate that concept because it's a man-made concept. It's a, it's a psychological man-made concept where you draw a line, you, you put up the parameters, you say, if he goes this far, if they step over this line, that's it. They're done. It's not going to, you know, I, I refuse to, you know, participate anymore. I re- withdraw my love, whatever. But that's contrary to the Bible because the Bible says con- contradictory things that are both true. For example, the Bible says, you know, the verse, go the second mile, you know, love your enemy, uh, turn the other cheek. All these things would indicate, you know, continue going on. And the, the world say, well, you're enabling or you, you might be enabling or be careful you don't enable. On the other side of that coin, the Bible says, shake the dust off if they don't have the peace of God there. And, you know, if they're contrary to this word, then don't even eat with them. So you see the Bible is giving different recommendations, recommendations or admonishings at different times and under different circumstances. And so you have to question, well, what time is it? Is it time for me to continue to go the second mile to continue to love? And in, in withdrawing, that doesn't mean you're hating them either. When you're not eating with them, that might be for hopefully for the sake, even as Paul did have turned this guy's soul over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that his soul might be saved. That seemed like a, a merciful act, even though in, on face value, it looked like a horrible thing. Um, you know, how could he dare? How could Paul dare do that? Turn somebody over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Well, because Paul knew that, like Jesus said, if your hand offends, you cut it off. If you have to go through a little physical suffering down here 
to save your eternal soul, it is worth it. And, and that is the critical, that's the, the stakes that this life, this war is, is, the stakes are very high. And so, but, but when you draw a boundary, draw a line, you have just set up a place where now you're going to have to enforce that line. For example, if you're a parent and you say to the, the child, don't you ever touch that again, or I will break your leg, or don't you ever, what you have just put yourself in an impossible position because do you want to break their leg? Don't make a, an oath or a declaration or a vow or a word spoken that you don't want to have to fulfill. And so, but ask the question, well, why is my child continuing to disregard my command? What is the lie? What is the, what's the lie they're believing? What is it provoking me to do what's the lie I'm believing? And how is the devil using this to create a war? Boundaries create war. And there is no boundary in love. Love reached down from heaven when we were yet sinners, aliens, enemies, and, and, and saved us. So I think boundaries is an artificial concept, a demonic concept that sets up real problems. And, you know, I, the only boundaries I believe in in the Bible are the boundaries that God set when they cast lots for the tribes of Israel and where they all ended up in the land. Those are the boundaries that God had in mind. Well, the, uh, the boundaries I would say that we need to keep would be within the word of God being obedient to what God shows us, what he has revealed to us through the scriptures and following the Holy Spirit. Uh, you, and, know, you said it's not a matter of what, you know, what do I do? I do well, this, I do this, this time and this the next time. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of following the spirit and, and what time is it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one and following. I'll just read verse one. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Mm-hmm. A and time so, to be born, a time to die. Exactly. And the question is, too, reducing these. This is a good thing. I believe in boundaries. Or I read this wonderful book on boundaries. What's the boundary? Ask yourself, what is the fruit of a boundary? It brings war. It brings confrontation. It brings challenging. It brings hardness. It brings religious bondage. It brings everything that's not the fruit of the Spirit. So what is, what is the boundary then? How do you figure it out? I believe in boundaries. No, I don't. Why don't I believe in them? Because they don't bring forth the fruits of, of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you have a lie, check out the fruit. What is this anxiety? For example, I'm going to give you a couple of lies now that people oftentimes believe. At every level, they, people are oftentimes afraid. I'm afraid. And they do a lot of weird, strange things. People who are afraid do a lot of weird, strange things. Um, you know, the people who are the most afraid and afraid at the deepest, youngest levels of their life, maybe children, four years, five years old, six, where's where we usually get frightened and afraid. They bring in, the devil brings in strong men, protector demons, uh, false benefactors, babysitter demons, protector, uh, you know, who, who will help you be strong, be tough. And these people oftentimes are terrified inside and they grow up to be bullies. They grow up to be great intimidators. They're going to scare you before you can scare them kind of thing. And they, but they're ultimately deep, deeply afraid and that they're terrified at that level of four years old, but at the, at the level of, of 40 years old, they're acting like, don't you tread on me. And, and so, but it's a, it's a horrible bondage because you're not even being congruent or true to yourself all the way through. You're being re- pulled on this torture rack between I'm afraid and I've got to be tough. And you're not, that's not the fruit of the spirit. God does not want, he says, what time I am afraid, the word says, I will trust in you, Lord God. And this is where we go back to what time I am feeling guilty or it's my fault or I failed or I've sinned 
or I've made a, made a bad choice, what time I am attacked, accused, condemned, I will go back to you, Lord God, because number one, you know my heart. Number two, you know what the devil's been up to. Three, you are the faithful witness. You saw it all, and I trust you love me, and you can help me get out of this mess. You can show me the truth. You can deliver me, and because you love me, I am okay. And see, that takes away fear. Perfect love casts out the fear of judgment, fear of condemnation, fear of what people will say. And right now in this world, in this condition we're living in, we need to be the fearless people of God. No fear, people of God. We cannot operate out of fear or coercion. We must operate in loyalty to the Most High God, the King of Kings. And that loyalty requires that we are not afraid or obligated to any other entity or worry or lie or idle or constraint of man or situation or circumstance. My first response, as Peter said, when they got after them guys for healing in the book of Acts, he says, well, we, you know, they said, don't you do this anymore in the name of Jesus. And Paul and Peter says, well, we can't do anything else. We got to do this in the name of Jesus. We're going to do this. It doesn't matter what you say to us. And uh, there were some phenomenal deliverances for Peter and um, God wants to be, you know, I mean, can we show off our God a little bit? by just trusting him and letting us see what he will do instead of trying to figure it out ourselves and negotiate our own escapes. Can't we just say, God, you know, this is your problem. Um, it, and it is really cool when you give it to the Lord and say, God, this is really your problem. And you really surrender it to him. It becomes, it's like the, 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 the Berlin wall. It kind of falls down and goes away and nobody even knew how it happened that it went away. It was just a, a peaceful thing. It just changed and that's, the, that's what God does. He just changes things without even making a big fanfare sometimes. Daniel said in the last days, those who know their God would be strong and would do exploits. And what we're seeing today is just because the magnitude of problems and perversions that are multiplying before us from the, 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 the church house to the White House to the legislative house to the business community to entertainment, there is just... Uh, no perversion truth. on mm-hmm. every side, and there's intimidation. Intimidation, and, and yeah. a lot of people because are, people are afraid. People are well. Christians many times are intimidated into silence. They say, "What good does it do?" It's just like a, it's like a. Sometimes people think it's like okay, sharing the gospel uh, with somebody uh, with this world. It's like a, like a burp in the middle of a tornado, <laughs> because. We think, oh my, you know, just nobody's Negative. hearing, nobody's listening. The minds are stripped away. There's a spirit of, of, of um, insanity that's mm-hmm. over the world. There's a, there's a shroud of darkness. Uh, okay. Witchcraft abounds, you know, in, in politics, government, everywhere, in churches. So how do we... We're looking at, how do we, we're looking at yeah. um, what it looks like. And we have to go back to the word of God. You can always look at what it looks like and you can always look around and be depressed. But if you look at what God did, God would like with Gideon's army, for example, he stripped it down from what, 320,000 to 32,000 or 20,000. I mean, what did he do when he really wanted to do something really big? He got one guy. He didn't get a whole nation. He, you know, you're one person. And don't wait for the guys around you to stand up and stand their ground and declare God and, and praise God and, and exalt the truth. Don't wait for the guys around you. You're the one God is wanting to use right now. So just be the one and don't worry. And as you be the one, Moses got a following and Gideon got a victory. 
and all kinds of things happened because God had this one person who, and remember Gideon, he says, his insecurity, he says, well, who, who, who are you talking to? Who am I? And this is a big issue too. Like this is a subconscious lie. Who am I? And then we're going to get to some of these lies now because we've promised you. Who am I? Who, who do I think I am? Or who do you think you are? And this is a very subtle thing that's spoken over children a lot of times when they're growing up. Uh, what makes you think you should blah, 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 win? Or who do you think you are? Or, uh, and, and a lot of times when little children don't know who they are and their authorities are asking that question, the child backs off and says, well, I'm nothing. I don't have any right to say. Or, and have children in their true are the purest, closest to God at that little tiny pure innocent age as ever you know babies are just pre- precious and they're they're the closest in in uh, whatever it is that the, the the divine nature that they can get before they move off into the you know the being afflicted by the snake pit however some babies are already born very tormented with subconscious lies they're believing and that can look like colic it can look like nightmares it can look like um uh, children these days are, are actually, some of them are born with demons actually, actually manifesting, demonized, and that is not them. But the, that is something you as a parent would need to deal with. And a lot of times we take our, our problems to a doctor or a professional and we just are discouraged. The, they can't give you the solutions of joy and peace. But going back to the, the, the lies, the lies I, 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 who am I? Who do I think I am? If you don't know who you are, what, then, then you go into the, I am stupid. Uh, I'm nothing. I'm no good. Um, I'm never going to make it. And these are patterns, demonic patterns, that you have picked up that have been written into your program through childhood. For example, I'm, not, I, I'm never going to make it or um, I'm a failure. That begins, can often begin even in your inability to be born normally or naturally. Uh, you're blocked and locked and stuck in the birth canal. I've, we've talked about this before. These little things begin to pattern us to, and that pattern picks up speed. It, it, it's replicated over and over again in our life. Uh, things, tasks that we've tried to accomplish and that didn't get done. There's somebody else to do or I'm helpless. So I'm never going to make it. A lot of these I ams, I am no good, never going to make it. I'm unwanted. I am ugly. I'm not lovable. I'm unworthy. I'm guilty. I'm bad. Um, I might do it wrong. Uh, I might be wrong. I might be out of the will of God. I'm confused. I don't know. All of these things, all of these questions, uh, what kind of fruit are they bringing forth? Are they bringing forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace? What are they bringing forth in your life? And do they agree with the Word of God? No, they don't agree with the Word of God. And they're bringing Therefore, forth, their lives. bringing forth fear. Mm-hmm. Discouragement, depression, bondage. bondage. They're bringing mm-hmm. the fruit is mm-hmm. bondage, failure. Well, see, so when you're believing a lie like this, each lie is like a seed that sets its root down, and then it comes up and it brings forth a fruit. And so when you're seeing in your life, you know, repeated failure or um, uh, constant patterns of of you know um, loss or um, rejection or being left out or not picked or not promoted or people are jealous over you or um, whatever's going on. When you see that pattern, that's the fruit of the root. And the, the fruit is, um, so the lie is I'm, if I'm unlovable, then what am I, then I am projecting when I go into a crowd, into a room, I'm not lovable. Nobody likes me. Nobody's going to want to talk. 
you want to be one, be with you. So I'm radiating that spirit is sending out a, a vibration or a message into that group and other people are picking it up and their sense of, of you know, stay away from alien, not drawn to uh, pushed away from because they don't want to interact with that person who is um, sending off those vibes of, you know, I'm no good. Don't no unwanted, unloved, rejected, unlovable, unworthy. So when you're believing I am unworthy, unlovable, you are emanating that spirit is emanating a message, a signal radio wave, if you will, from you that is being picked up by the others around. And so then you wonder why nobody wanted to talk to you at the party because um, you've already sent out a signal. Whereas if you go into that party, for example, or that group we're gathering confident, knowing you are loving them, wanting to know them, not just waiting for them to come up and chit chat with you, but you wanting to love them, reach out to them, get to know them. That will be a total turn of events. But you might say, I don't, I can't do that. I can't just go up and talk to some stranger or some person I don't know hardly because they might not like me. So rejection says, oh, I'm afraid that I'll be rejected. And so you're worried again, idolatry and fear is replacing love because love would say, go get to know them, go share with them, go find out about them. You know, you know, but I'm afraid to talk to them. I might say something wrong. Um, They, you know, they might notice me. I don't want to be noticed. I want to be hidden as a wallflower, Uh, you know, all these kinds of battles go on in your mind, but the love says, love says, love says, go, go get to reach out, give of yourself, take the time to get to know them, listen to them. And so it's a battle between fear and love, really. Yeah, really. That's what I was saying. Because perfect love, the scripture says in first John casts out all fear. And another thing what people do is, is that they try to uh, blame others for or or criticize others to make ourselves look better. You mm-hmm. see, we, if we feel like, oh, we're fearful, we're 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 no good, we're unlovely, we're uh, confused. Well, you we compare ourselves with other people. We compare yeah. ourselves, and the Bible says, if we compare ourselves with one another, mm-hmm. we're not wise. In other words, we're not smart. We're stupid. It's foolish it's to do. Foolish that. because it's foolish to do that. that. Because but we tend to always, we're always yeah. comparing ourselves with someone well, else yeah and rather than by god's grace god deliver us from that that we will just be because we want to be content as to who we are in god and when you know who you mm-hmm. are in god uh, according to his word mm-hmm. we are who god says we are not what we think we are yeah. and, and uh, what we're, what we've been told we are we're, we're who god says Amen. we are That's right. and so it, it takes exploration of the word of god to know that. revelation to see this is who we are. This is our true identity. And when we have a true identity, mm-hmm. our true identity in the is word. in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. according to the word of God, then we truly have freedom. Well, we then have to, it's the truth that set us free. Well, it's, it's a rightly dividing of that word because that word of God has been unrightly, unrighteously, ignorantly, correct, un- incorrectly divided many times to bring condemnation upon people, legalism and law and judgment and mixing the law with grace, which makes guilt and makes it very easy for the devil to lay guilt on us. But, but for example, like what you're saying, when we have the competitions, we have the contests, we have the comparisons, we're trying to prove that I am better than you. But me being better than you, when God says you're all, you know, there is, where it's an individual race. I'm not racing against you. I'm not trying to see if I can get more of God than you or be smarter or greater or more loved by God. That's God loves us. He doesn't have, um, you know, 
I don't think percentages or different levels of love. You can have all of God you want. And it doesn't matter if, if your neighbor gets the same wants all of God he can have. It, it, you can all have all of God you want. We're not competing with anyone for anything. The competition was won when Jesus took, defeated the devil. That was the competition. Now it's a matter of grace receiving. And then in that receiving, we begin, begin to believe and believe the promise that I can be who Christ Jesus died for me to be. And then I don't have to look a failure in the eye every day. And the devil who tries to stop you with all kinds of lies like can't do it. No, you're never going to make it. Um, so this, like you said, it goes back to knowing who I am in the word of God, truly rightly dividing the word of God, because again, that word has been so misconstrued. The devil just, it's, it's, that's why a lot of people don't even want to read the Bible. They just say, I can't get through it. Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit down. You're going to say, God, clear my mind. Let me see what you want me to see. Have mercy upon me. You know how the devil fights me when I read the word of God. And he, he even punishes me for reading. He retaliates. And now I'm afraid to read it because I'm afraid something bad's going to happen to me. You just say, Lord, have mercy upon me. I can't read this Bible. I can't read it, but I want to. I want to read it, and the devil's a mess, messing me up. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to go really slow. You show me where to read, and you show me what every word means, and I will just devour it. I will, I will um, assimilate this word into my being because it's like your food. If your food, you eat it, and it doesn't assimilate, you throw it up again, or it doesn't, your body doesn't take the nutrients out, it's, it's, you've gained nothing. But in this, we sim- assimilate the truth of God. Um, um, Here's another couple of sets of those kind of lies. Um, We go back to the spirit of confusion. Confusion is not of God. And there are not three kingdoms. You know, you say, well, it's my fault. I, I, you know, you know, I had it coming. Um, I was, you know, bad. Well, that allows you that, that I had it coming sort of thing. You've just agreed with the punishment, the judgments of the evil one. You had, if you had, God corrects his children. He chastens those he loves, the sons who he's receiving. He chastens, corrects. And when something, like, for example, when our parents discipline us, hopefully, if they're righteous, they were doing it to train us up in righteousness, to teach us not to do that, because that thing would lead to trouble and have consequences. Um, but many times the parents were correcting us with their own issues and agendas in mind, anger, rage, violence, um, whatever it was. So that was a mixture. It wasn't a true uh, teaching, a right teaching, a grace teaching. And so we got mixed up. But I had it coming. Uh, I deserved it. Then brings me to the other side of that where I am a victim. Uh, I can't do anything, can't do anything right. Then we get coming to that place of, you know, giving up. Ta- uh, we were caught on the torture rack where I, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if I live or die. So I might as well just do these drugs. I might as well just kill myself. Um, I don't matter. And then we come to these rebellious, whatever you can't make me who cares. Um, it's no big deal. Uh, I'm used to it and it is what it is. So we've, we've come into a lot of agreements subconsciously with all of these things that keep uh, messing with our, um, our walk with God, they, they get, they get in the way of our walk with God. And then the spirit behind that, the, the confusion behind, I don't know, or I'm confused or the spirit behind, I had it coming, which would be guilt, shame, condemnation, judgment, or uh, they work to pull us away from God. These lies, if we walk in them, they can, they, they actually have the power 
to pull us, begin to pull us away from the hope, the joy, the peace, the goodness of God. And so as these lies fester and are allowed to operate it subconsciously in the programs of our mind and heart and our soul, and we go back to them, we go back to our soul constantly for information, uh, understanding, wisdom, what to do. We constantly don't walk in the spirit. If you're walking in your soul, you're actually walking in the flesh then. You are not looking to the spirit of God who operates and runs. It's like two different classrooms. One In one classroom, you have of your of your being you've got the holy spirit and that's the spirit so you walk in the spirit classroom sit under the teaching and counsel of the holy spirit he will lead you into all truth and triumph however if you go into that other classroom the classroom of experience and the soul you are going to be taught by the tutors of hell who have trained you for a long time to believe i'm no good i'm unworthy it's up to me i've got to do it we have not even scratched the surface of the of con of the unconscious agreements that people are uh, not only making, but that are operating in their lives, that are bringing them to, into health issues, sickness, disease, destruction, addictions. This is endless. But if you begin to ask the Lord to show you what is the lie, and believe, you look, see, there's no joy. No, there's no peace. What is the lie that I'm believing? What is the lie fear is telling me that's making me anxious or that's making me depressed or that's making me feel um uh, not good enough to get this job. I mean, we have worked with people for so many years, and when they break the covenant with the lie or the agreement with the lie, things change. When they when they break the covenant with bitterness or unforgiveness, things change. They get the job, they get the promotion, they get the the the, the, the relationship back, whatever it is. Um, the kingdom of God is then being restored. Well, Satan is the master of debilitation. He wants to debilitate the people of God. He wants to fill us with lies, you know, knock out our ability. God is the God of enablement. He He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come, come upon, upon you, you to be my mm-hmm. witnesses. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Mm-hmm. That's what these lies do. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and life more abundantly so we can live in his power in his enabling, according to his word and according to his spirit. And we can live with without being fearful, intimidated in this present evil mm-hmm. world and make a difference for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we haven't talked about, and maybe we'll do it at another time, is the power of agreement. When we're in harmony with the word of God, mm-hmm. Amos said in Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? And we, when we walk with God in agreement and we walk with one another, not in some man-made agreement, mm-hmm. but in, in the spirit of God, mm-hmm. doing the will of God, in the power and grace of God, in mm-hmm. the love of God, wow, there, right. there's powerful, powerful things that happen for the kingdom of God. And this is what we need to see developing and multiplying in the day in which we're well, living. Well, and we need to understand that those agreements come out of a choice that we make. And that choice that we're making is a choice to allow God to work in us, not a choice where I have to self-will myself and self-discipline myself and self-improve myself to do something. It's the choice to walk in the truth because the choice, I had no choice or it was your choice or it was your choice. You know, you look at that word, and I'm just going to wrap with this, but God never says, you know what, it was your choice. 
He never condemns the people. You know, they sinned, they, they blew it, they, they rejected him, and he never said, you know what, that was your choice. To Evie said, you know what, that was your choice, girl. You chose to disobey me, and I told you when you did that, that's, you know, this is going to happen. You didn't believe me. He didn't go back at, at her with, this is your choice, because the, he knew which she already learned at that point, that the serpent deceived her. She didn't know anything about deception up to that point. But we have to understand that our choices are, are regulated or influenced by who we listen to. Whose report are we going to believe? And so if you're going back to the word of God and seeing that God is good, God doesn't lie, God knows what he's talking about, and you choose to obey him or agree with him, no matter what, even if you don't can actually accomplish it, you can't accomplish doing the will of God without the spirit of God in you. So you're just going to make the choice. God, here I am. Thy will be done. You know, you do it. I'm following you and, and go back to understand if I make the other choice to believe with the lie, to agree with the lie, to, to enter into a continued covenant with the subconscious agreements and uh, lies and things that I've beliefs that I've already have operating in my system, then they will not be removed. You must make a choice to believe the truth, and then recognize that that choice is accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit and not through your own good intentions. We have a desire to live, to love God, to be righteous, to be holy. God put that there. And God knows that we're still trickable even after we're saved. And so he wants to lead us into all truth. And the truth is, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And without him, I can do nothing, as That's Jesus right. said. And so, so he a... wants, he takes us from being victims to being victors. And that's how we're to live. And in that, he is glorified. Every day. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your calling upon us, Lord. Thank you for everyone that's listening at this in these moments. And we just pray that, Lord, that these conscious and unconscious uh, agreements that mm-hmm. have been made with, with hell will be broken. And exposed these, and broken. Exposed and broken. Mm-hmm. Now, in the name of Jesus, every one of us, Lord, will come into agreement with your word and live in the power of your spirit. Victorious, unafraid, uh, perfect love. May it cast out all fear in our lives that we will walk by faith, walking in your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.